Welcome, my Wednesday people, to the Vibrant with Gordy Two Shoes. Definitely one who is popularly demanded in our circles. And it's never really been a one on one with me and Gordy on here before, I don't think. So I'm really looking forward to it. It's Wednesday. I'm stoked. We got Flow State after this. I've, I've been snowed into my house today. So this is definitely the highlight of the whole Wednesday. It would be anyway. But we're here. We got Gordy. How you doing, man? How did that Super Tuesday treat you? It was it was nice. I guess it was it was weird. It got really windy and uh and uh but I've got big news coming up that I just found out. Uh yeah. I guess the day before the big Tuesday, but it allowed me to make a big announcement for the big two 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 Tuesday. Yeah. Okay. We'll get to that. I think I already know. We talked about it before we came on the air, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I got like three things on, I don't want to call it the agenda, but the potential list. You you saw it in the title, mutants, owls, meditation. How do we connect all these things into one? (laughs) How do we weave these things together? And you know, if you guys are, I guess I should proper introduce you, you know, there's got... I take for granted that the people that come into our live chat all know everything and we're all like one big happy family, but there's people that'll be listening on the, the audio RSS feed playback and all that. Gordy. Gordy is a fellow spider. We do the Saturday night live show all the time. He's a really interesting fellow. I would say because <laughs> he's got a, he's a, he's Beastmaster Gordy, really Beastmaster Gordy. He's got a way, his wow. chi is clean, and the owls flock to him. <laughs> but Gordy, you've got, you've got a lot of life lived besides just the time that I've known you. Would you like to give us maybe a proper introduction, maybe even for people that know you, but would like to know more about you and how you got to this present moment? Oh, man, that's a, that is a long story. I can, I could start at you look so much younger than you are thank you sir <laughs> it's a long you. story <laughs> i mean but i i that is it's something i get a lot but that's because i've lost a ton of weight and found you know um health later in my life than than maybe i would have had i had a different path, but uh, a couple of years ago, I got clean of of uh, all medications and alcohol, and part of that was meditating under an owl tree, which got me clean, and I lost fifty or ninety five pounds now, and um, cured myself of a you know the crippling effects of a brain tumor. I mean, that's kind of a thumbnail sketch. And so now I've got these family of owls that are super cool with me and, and um, actually two sets of them now, which is just mind blowing to me, but uh, it's true. And I can start there or we can go wherever you want. Let's talk about mutants. (laughs) <laughs> I do think that's, I think that should be the starting point too. 
I want to let everyone know if they would like some more of Gordy's story. He's been on some other podcasts. I specifically am thinking of my family thinks I'm crazy with Mark Steves. You get into a lot of the backstory of your old job and uh, that whole military industrial complex. I know I learned a lot about you in that conversation. Mm. And it seems like probably that type of work is what brought on the different forms of like spiritual attack that lead to different addictions or, or unhealthy behaviors and inevitably wound up leading you to a brain tumor. But just like I see your journey as shamanic because in my study of shamanism, there's like a really consistent aspect to it where people go through a major healing crisis where it's like, they're either going to die or they're going to become magic. Yeah, And, <laughs> and to me, that's kind of like the emergence of the mutant gene in, mm-hmm. in the X-Men, you know, they have usually happens to them younger in life, but they have some crazy moment of they accidentally set their friend on fire or, <laughs> you know, it ends or in they, tears, they say, but then they, they have to, to come to grips with their powers. Yeah. They, they've been put in some life or death situation and all of a sudden they can, you know, levitate a bus that was going to crush somebody, uh, you know, a family. And it's like one of those trauma things. It's a trauma thing. And that is kind of the, the, uh, um, shamanic way. In fact, you know, when I got close to the owls, one of the big things is that got me into kind of really embracing the fact that it's possible to heal myself was that somebody online was uh, mentioning um, that owls are kind of a symbol of rebirth. And uh, this is kind of a common theme with people that have uh, been close to owls that, that they've come through a trauma and they've, they've come out the other side or they're, or it's part of the process. And um, this mysterious person just popped out of a, I think it was a wildlife um, chat, but I'm not even sure where it was, but they're like, Hey, were you in some sort of trauma? Because I think you're going through a shamanic uh, initiation. I'm like, what? Like It just blew my mind. So that is how I knew that there's so much more that's going on with my relationship with these owls than just observing them and them observing me, you know? So going back to that, when I was getting clean, I would meditate under that tree and that meditation, they would watch me every morning and they would observe me. Basically, I was just trying to keep my sh- at that point. I was just trying to keep my shit together. You know, that's why I was meditating is just not to panic at every moment because I had nothing else to deal with my trauma. I had to deal with it on my own, you know, because up, up to that point, I had been self medicating and drinking and, and getting into very self destructive behaviors that uh it was got to the point where i was either going to die or or heal 
And that was it. I had nothing else. Those were my choices, essentially, or brain surgery. And um, so I got clean, meditated under the owl tree, and they watched me the whole time. And then I realized that, you know, I'm really having kind of a spiritual connection with these owls. And so as I'm meditating and kind of praying and really embracing that it's possible to get uh, close to the, these owls in, in an authentic relationship that, and just kind of letting it happen instead of forcing myself on, on them, I would just go out and do it every day. And they allowed me into their life. And because of that, I was able to, that spring, watch them have a clutch of three babies. And um, saw those guys grow up. So that, that right there is Gwen. That's the mama owl. And she's the badass matriarch that will probably take somebody's, or maybe has taken somebody's eye out at some time. But uh, she's, she's a badass. And she will defend that uh, tree like crazy. In fact, the guys I work with have to be really careful about walking too close to her tree because she'll let me sit right with them, but nobody else, which is... Yeah, I think it's hilarious and fun. <laughs> I had about three questions pop up, so I opened a notepad to keep track of them. But <laughs> <laughs> I, good because you're going to have to keep me keep me on track because I'm just going to go. Psh, 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 psh. Well, okay, we'll start with what about the onset of of gaining your meditation practice? I want to know where you learned or how you taught yourself. Cause this could be useful for someone that still hasn't made it into a regular practice or they kind of feel, I hear this all the time. I don't know how to meditate or I can't meditate. Right. So if you could talk about that and like what meditation, at least at that time, I know it changes and our practices evolve over time, but what was the practice for you when you began? Now I may, so, I may talk about that for my own life too. Yeah. I'd love to hear that part. Um, I learned meditation as a method of trying to control my uh, chronic pain. Um, many years before I had my father-in-law had some Jose Silva books and was um, on kind of um, just is basic meat meditation. Feet, right? This is, this is marmalade. Oh, there's this two is, of them. The old lady, the grumpy old lady who will just whine and growl until she gets her way and then crawls back into her little cave. Um, that's what she wanted. She just wanted to be seen. And Good night. Bye. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, so Jose Silva meditations, I used those. Um, I had heard that you could control pain um, through meditation. You know, I'd seen dentists use it. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to learn it. So uh, there was that. There was a, just a general Jose Silva meditation book. 
And then there was the book called You the Healer uh, by Jose Silva. And I can't remember the other guy's name, but um, it was basically about healing yourself. And I didn't ever take it seriously until the medications, I was already addicted to, to opiates or dependent on opiates, I should say, for the, uh, because of the chronic pain, which were actually creating more pain in the long run because it was giving, you, giving me migraines. There's a thing called hyperanesthesia, which the opiates uh, uh, screw with the pain, receptor, pain receptors in your brain and actually end up causing more pain. So I was using the meditation to try and treat that. Um, which clearly wasn't working. And so I used, I finally was able to use the meditation after I got off of everything to a stay off and fight off the, the effects of the, um, the jonesing, the, the withdrawals. And so that was a huge thing for me. And then because of that, I started looking into actual um, shamanic healing. And I went through a uh, Tao, uh, just a one-day Tao thing that Lindsay Sharman and uh, Catherine O'Shea had recommended. And I uh, just sat through the one. I didn't take the course because I did it. And I'm like, oh, wow, I can do this. I've done this before. I know what this is. Because many, many years earlier, I'd had this, this uh, situation with my daughter who she had burnt her hand uh, in boiling water. She was le- maybe a year old, maybe less, but I was making her mac and cheese and she stuck her hand in boiling water and she pulled it out and it was beet red and starting to bubble. And I just grabbed it, didn't even think twice and prayed over it. And I recognized the feeling that I wasn't doing anything, that I wasn't, um, it was something working through me. And then when I had that Tao um, thing, I recognized that feeling that it was not me, it was something else through me, it was me getting out of the way to let something happen, to let healing actually happen. When I recognized that, I'm like, oh, I can do this on me. And so I started meditating my um, chakras and, you know, just doing light work. And then I learned about Qigong and manipulating the energy in the the field and then learning about how powerful nature is and grounding and sucking that energy out of the earth because the earth wants to heal us too. This is, and you hear this over and over again in a lot of recovery stories is um, people find healing through nature over and over and over again. And, that is how those owls like really, really grounded me 
to like, oh, it's all clicking, you know, which led to so many more lessons like your torsion field and how the torsion field looks exactly like an owl's face. I mean, just it, it's endless, but you're right in that it is kind of that same hero's journey that's told over and over and over again, which is what comics are comics and any other myth is telling us is that, you know, you are the superhero. You are whoever you are that's hearing this, you're the superhero and you can do this yourself. It's not an easy path, but if you, and you, it's not being, something you can almost that ain't easy either. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, being, being sick and, and nearly dead isn't e- easy at no, all. No. <laughs> Life's going to have its challenges either way. It's like, do we choose the challenges we want that strengthen us? Or do we experience challenge because we choose weakness in a way? Right. And it's what you choose, right? You, you either chose, because at a certain point, you know, there were, things that I did to choose being sick. Um, you know, the life path that I chose to get me in a lot of trouble health wise and depression. And so what, uh, made me actually get clean was a suicide, um, ideation. And I, uh, I OD'd once that was a pretty good one. And you know what? That didn't even scare me. That's what was scary is that I was like, you know, I probably should have learned from that, but I didn't. I was like, no, I still want to kill myself. folks. I should probably get help. I mean, I, I can joke about it now because I'm through it. But if you're in it, man, my heart goes out to you. And I, you know, God bless you, man. But you can you can heal. You can heal from damn near anything. I'm pretty convinced. I want to know more about how your meditation practice interfaced with the addiction side, like, and getting clean. Did you just kind of replace the ritual of the, the unhealthy habits with a practice? How much were you doing it? I guess is my question. Like, I think people would benefit from 20, 15, even 10 minutes a day. For me, 15 minutes is like the sweet spot where I feel the parasympathetic nervous system activate. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel my heart rate change. I feel myself settle into it. Right. And it's almost like that's the point where you're, you're just beginning to actually meditate. <laughs> yeah. But if and you it might take 10 minutes to get there, right. It might take 10 or 15 minutes to get there to that parasympathetic mm-hmm. nervous system. But, and then beyond that is where things start to get a little more, you know, like visionary, mystical potentially, but that's the other thing with meditation. You can't go and try and sell it to others with like, Oh, you'll see, you'll see little uh, raccoons and overalls on stilts, which I did. <laughs> I did one time. <laughs> Fun. But, you know, you can't make promises like that. It's different for everybody, but <laughs> I wanted to know about the, how you, how it worked for you to actually use meditation to dispel addiction. It's one thing to like, say that it helped, but how did it help you work through the pain aspect of detoxing? What was like, I really want to know what is what's going through Gordy's head. You know, when you make the decision to sit and breathe rather than 
to go back to whatever harmful thing maybe would have been part of your daily habits before that. And what it's like when you're sitting there, um, if you did have pain, you know, sitting with the pain, what is all that like? Because for me, the for me, the meditation practice was largely about getting comfortable with death, actually, with the fact that I'm mortal. (laughs) That was the biggest pain, if you will, that I had to face in a meditation practice. But, you know, and I think that's a common one for everybody. But I want I kind of want more juice on on this aspect, because I think it's probably really relevant to so many people out there and could help them see a a light on their path. Yeah. So um, one thing is, is kind of that memento mori is what you're talking about. You know, remember, remember your death, that you're mortal. And that's, that is part of it because understanding that you, it's okay. We're going to die. And you kind of have to surrender something. It was like two years of my meditation practice where after, like almost every time after like 10 minutes into it, my brain had just started being like, Oh shit, man. Yeah. You're going to die, man. Panic. You're going to die, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now that's not even a thing. I mean, obviously if death was staring me in the face down the barrel of a gun, I'm sure I'd I'd be pretty yeah. nervous about that, but you know, <laughs> it's not that being comfortable with the awareness of it is another thing. Being be, not being, you know, reckless, like you're searching it, but accepting your mortality, it's not, it's not the same as seeking it out, you know, being comfortable with the fact that it's going to happen. And part of that is accepting that, you know, life is painful. We should, we can't be afraid of every pain that we're going to have in life because it's, I mean, it's just part of life, but you can manage it. The first thing I think that I was trying to control because I was, I had been 30 days clean, um, maybe 60 at that point when I really, really, you know, started a daily morning practice under the tree. Um, and just doing it until, until I got to that state. And then even if it didn't work, you know, it was, I did it anyway, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to do this until it works is basically what I did 10 minutes. And it's almost like uh, deciding if it works or not is defeating the purpose of the practice. The practice is, is the point. The stillness is the point and whatever, you know, we're like trained in this society that we need results. We need a that the destination is more important than the journey, all that type of cliche, but really the, it's all about the practice and the moment and whatever it was that day is fine. It's just about that. You almost like that you made the decision for something for yourself that brings you stillness and inspiration as in you're bringing spirit through the breath into your body. Right. And, and the under the tree part is clutch too. I think people have never sat under a tree for a long period of time and just breathed and tried to feel grounded with that energy. It's like, it's a completely different level than sitting in your house with all the Wi-Fi signals and dirty electricity and all that. And getting your hands dirty in the dirt on the, on the bark, you know, feeling nature because we are part of nature that we, every time we go to get in our car and we go to our job, you know, we're outside 
you know, a maximum two minutes, usually, you know, getting, going from our house to our car, going, driving to our work, going to, into our work. And we stay there until we get back in the car and we come back home in the car, we come back home and we, we're not even outside. We're not even connecting with the real world. I mean, this is all, I mean, these are real in that they're matter, but we've made them as humans. You know, it's not part of a more natural existence. And part of that is like you're saying, you know, we, we are not, you know, we have to accept that we're part of that cycle. Um, and nature is what heals is what you're saying. And this is a good tangent actually to get into. Yeah. Cause, and I think that vibration nature can be such nature. a nature is such a nebulous term. So I like to go about putting some parameters on that. Not that you can actually yeah. contain or define what is essentially infinite, but Nature to me is synonymous with life force energy. Nature is the thing in the universe that is one and has no beginning or no end. It's kind of like the way that Wilhelm Reich equates God with ether or uh, what's the other guy? Walter Russell puts all these things into one vertical column, you know, consciousness, God, spirit, ether, like energy, all these things. They're, really one and the same. So when you're getting in tune or alignment with spirit or your breath in nature, you are basically inhaling and embodying the template of wholeness that created you in the first place. And that's your body heals itself. Nothing heals your body for it. It does it itself and it uses that chi or that prana to do it. And so in the practice it's not like it's not you that's doing it. It is a, kind of about getting yourself out of the way so that you can just exist because this thing we call nature, it equals or is synonymous to existence. It is self-existing, self-evident. It is what it is. I am what I am, that type of thing. And that's what the stillness is really about. That's why quieting the monkey mind is so useful because the monkey mind is making decisions. It's making judgments. It's like, I'm this, but I'm not that. But if you can just kind of sink in to the deeper part of yourself and basically forget for a moment <laughs> everything in the world, except that you're in a moment that is activating the, the template of wholeness within. Yeah. That quieting is a very big thing and the breathing. Um, you know, if you have a, a three and a half foot bird of prey with knives, for feet standing right above you, you're going to be really quiet for a long time because it, you know, has the potential to, you know, people have been killed by owls. I mean, I know of somebody that has been scalped. And uh, so if you're, I mean, that like really forced me, honestly. But this is also the thing that they're trying to take they were teaching me is to quiet, just relax, rest, be, and just be. It's okay to just be in yourself and be one with that existence and breathe like a normal 
breathing animal and it's okay to slow it down and animals do it naturally. Right. And we have to think about it. I, I was listening to you and Rachel. Thank you for doing that. By the way, I had not gotten to see that one until uh, just today. In fact, Oh, the um, vibrant with me and Rachel. Yes. Um, by the way, we have uh, some kind of weird alien creature that joined us here. We'll have to wait and see if it, it speaks or reveals who it is. <laughs> Somehow my, um, my audio is coming out of my monitor, which it never does ever. So I was trying to fix that before I hopped on, but I'm there he here. is. This is Johnny. It's Johnny me. Larson. Woo! Yeti slang. This hey, so you, I saw that he made a comment about his fat and your fat <laughs> hanging out in the woods somewhere. <laughs> Can you draw a picture of that and also put my fat in there too? Because I actually, uh, I mean, I'm not, not that you should try to sell a meditation practice to somebody with X or Y results, but in my backstory, I, I gained a hundred pounds between the ages of 18 and 20. Imagine this body, but plus a hundred basically. And I, that's like at least that much. I wasn't weighing myself at that time. I went to college and I just started drinking Mountain Dew and energy drinks. And all I did was play World of Warcraft and I didn't <laughs> even go to school. I didn't even go to classes. <laughs> and I went out into to like alcohol parties as a, there was this Irish pub. It's no longer there. So I can't get them in trouble, but it's called McGinty's and they did not card. And it was just full of, 18 year olds. <laughs> and so I had this class of, I think my junior year of college, because my freshman and sophomore year were the overweight years. And I was like smoking and I had all these emotional problems. And I was in a terrible toxic relationship and I didn't understand boundaries. And I was, I had no spiritual uh, aspirations at all in my life. Actually, they had been basically deleted out of me at about 17 when I saw the movie Zeitgeist. and. They told me that religion was a, a conspiracy <laughs> and the World Trade Center was destroyed by the government and all the other things. So that was useful to delete all that stuff out of my belief system. But it left this void of sort of like uh, atheism, you could call it. And then I had this class, two classes at the same time. I was almost totally kicked out of school. And I was really apathetic. And all I did this one semester was sign up for two classes, not a full schedule at all. And one class was called writing the spiritual journey. And this guy, all he asked of you was to do writing exercises in class. You didn't have to do it as homework and talk about it, about like whatever your personal spiritual perspective or journey was. And up to that point, I hadn't even thought like that I was on a spiritual journey. And that opened the door for me to start looking at life in the symbolic way and that things had meaning and synchronicity existed. It opened the doors for me. And at the same time, the other class I was taking was about daily practice. And the teacher just led you through like a 15 minute meditation. And then the next 30 minutes of class were writing practices. And the whole point was to get you accustomed to the idea that small amounts of effort that you do over time, sustained every day, daily practice. That's why I have this daily practice art group on Telegram for people. They accumulate to big things. And we've been trained like it's not worth doing if you can't get to the result instantly. Right. But I learned meditation in that class. I learned the value of a daily practice. And I started to consider my life in spiritual terms. And within within a year from then, I actually kept meditating outside of the class because 
it felt good. And it felt like I was so apathetic at that point in my life. I had, I didn't know anything about who I was or what I wanted to do. And all I had was that practice <laughs> and TV and video games. And I started smoking weed at about that time too. But what happened was within a year, like within a year, even though I was working at Domino's and my diet was pizza that didn't get delivered. <laughs> if there was any pizza that was on, on the shelf that got canceled or the order was screwed up and kickers, if horrible diet. Yeah. And all the desserts <laughs> they got there, but I still lost the weight because the real weight was uh energetic weight, energetic heaviness that was part of bogging down my body's template and natural ability to process and eliminate and heal itself. I wouldn't recommend people eat Domino's even if they are a strong meditator, but still. (laughs) I think when you're younger, you can metabolize it a little bit and it doesn't kill you as fast or something, but. Yeah. So that's my story. That's cool. That is really cool. Like that, that's a weird thing too. Um, When I lost weight, I was living with my folks who just have cupboards just stocked full of delicious, horrifying, shitty food. Um, And then like home cooked meals and stuff. And I lost it through like fasting. I did a lot of long fasting and then I would like refeed without carbs and stuff like that. Um, But it was, it was pretty spiritual and stuff too, but I did it around like all this food that was so tempting. Um, But that's what I just learned about just, okay, like I'll eat all of this. I'll just skip the potatoes. I'll skip the, the wheat and whatnot. And um, I know there's something to that willpower. I think it's because I have no control over most anything, but you can control what goes into your mouth. Mm -hmm. And um, it's kind of like, it's, it builds a lot of freaking strength to be able to look at like, like now I look at some stuff that like people think of as like a meal and I'm like, Hmm, that shit looks like poison. Like I'd almost rather go grab a fucking old English 40 and like <laughs> just start that up again. If I'm going to go down this route, I don't know. It's weird. Like, and I'm not like all a judgy prick about it, but even like at the store, I went to the store earlier and this lady had like a full cart of all this stuff. And it's just like food, like product. And I'm like, I don't know, dude, like it just seems weird. We've had this whole two year kick about like health, but um, nobody learned nutrition at all. It's very strange. Anyway, that was my vibe rant. Peace. No, I'm just. I, I like what Clive DeCarl says, and uh, I, I quote him all the time. Your body is not low on pharmaceutical chemicals. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Basically, the only, like in his philosophy, the only thing that grants health is the nutrition your body needs to heal itself, the building blocks. And to me, that's spot on. Yeah. Let thy food be thy medicine. And when those who, own the manufacturing of those food like products also sell you the medicine and the medicine ain't food. Yeah. You know, what's up, (laughs) but yeah, but there's no double blind peer reviewed studies that prove your, what you're telling us champs. So you're a misinformation liar pants. No, I I don't know. It's funny. Like I always, I'll be like in forums and stuff, just talking about like simple nutrition and then, Within like three paragraphs, I'm queuing on. I'm like, this is really weird. Like, I'm just talking about like celery and like juicing celery or something. And like, no, that's a conspiracy. Raw butter, man. Raw <laughs> butter. Weston Price, homie. <laughs> so for those yeah. who don't just that's recognize the voice and the vibe, this is Johnny Larson, the Yeti slanging rap machinist. He's a real good rapist. In it, <laughs> <the ball. laughs> a rapist. 
Yeah, yeah, rapist. It is, it is funny when people like, I have some friends who can't spell very well and um, they'll be like, hey man, they'll like message me. Like, are you still raping? And I'm like, wait, hold on. <laughs> what? <laughs> I've never, I've never been that guy. Like, the, the other P is important, bro. Like when you're typing this out, with the NSA and shit. Now I sound like some sort of weird battle raper, which I'm not. I'm not. I like the stickers on your fridge. I got mine loaded up. Some of the same ones even. Nice. Yeah, uh, that's where <laughs> that's where Lindsay allows me to hang my my artwork. When I do a really good artwork, she praises it and hangs it on the fridge for a day. <laughs> Gold stars my forehead. <laughs> it's pretty wild. <laughs> so we got two comic book fans and actually three because i'm a big comic nerd too absolutely we've started out talking about mutants was there anything that comes um, to mind that you guys want to oh yeah doomsday dark side dark side whatever fuck DC. same thing <laughs> <laughs> see it's like that disc movement where you like uh like uh I, I mentioned this this horrible toxic relationship when i had gained all that weight the girl's dad I was with this girl for like three years and the girl's dad always made sure to call me Chase every time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he knew for sure what my name was, but yeah, that's, that's a fucking, power move. You know, it's a power move. Get yeah, wrong. You do it on purpose. Let's talk yeah. about mutants though. That's like one step below him. Just like having his balls out at all times when you, when you came by, <laughs> never had a, a woman. I liked father do that, but I'm sure that's a thing somewhere in the South. <laughs> Old man um, balls. <laughs> dude, it is funny too, just as far as like DC, the DC Marvel thing is one of the funniest things ever because it's just as heated as like Republicans and Democrats and stuff. People get really fucking upset over their comic brand. They're like, you guys are weird. Read image. Read <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You ever heard of Dynamite? Right, exactly. <laughs> But, so, uh, yeah, yeah, what about I, mutants? Mutants are the shit. I'll, I'll carry it on. I'm sorry. I lost track. <laughs> mutants are amazing. Mutants were everything. Actually, I got into the X-Men because I used to go to this hospital out here called National Jewish, which it's like one of the best respiratory hospitals in the world. Um, I had really bad asthma, almost. Like, they thought it was cystic fibrosis. And um, so I had to go like a lot. And I fucking hated it. My mom would just be nice. And she like bought me X-Men one time. She bought me a classic X-Men and an uncanny X-Men. And I was like, dude, this is amazing. So she started like coaxing me into going, like basically coaxing me into not having tantrums about going to all these appointments by like buying the X-Men. And then I was like, dude, these people are like me. They're all like outcasts and they've got issues and shit yeah and i was like dude maybe if i take an experimental asthma medication i'll become like a fucking (laughs) mutant and go to go to charles's school for gifted mutants or gifted children and that didn't happen instead i just drank a lot and rapped but hey they're like family that's why i love the goddamn x-men they did such a good job of making like kids who didn't fit in feel like they fit in somewhere Absolutely, man. I was the outsider. I got into comics because I was, uh, I moved every single year since I was like four. We were just thinking about this last night. I was talking to my wife about it, that we, we moved every single year until I was like 12 or 13. And like, you never made friends. Like the X-Men were my only friends, you know, like my comic books, which I, 
I had inherited a big box of Silver Age uh, Marvel stuff from somebody's cousin or something. I don't know, but I devoured that stuff. And it was, it was Jack Kirby, like old school, you know, 70s, Silver Age, really good stuff. You know, when, when it was really trippy and they were experimenting with like um, Silver Surfer was, had this existential angst and um, the X-Men were like uh, uh, Nightcrawler had this spiritual um, angst also and Beast couldn't get a girl, but he, he was like the smartest, baddest guy ever, but still couldn't get a girl. And the thing like always like had that negative self-talk because, right. because the only woman who ever cared about him was the blind girl. And like, it was, it was deep, heady stuff that people weren't, I didn't see any of that in any other, you know, young person's media. You know, we didn't have that in any other books other than that, that I could really relate to. But then I'm like, Oh, they can, uh, you know, they can fly and stuff. I'm like, yeah, I want to do that part. You know, I, uh, I want. I didn't want to fly. I wanted the the teleportation, like Nightcrawler, man. If I could do that, like I could get into any any like bank or anything like that. Just do whatever. <laughs> but he, there, there always had to be that trick that you he couldn't um, uh, teleport without seeing it first. Like if he if he went in blind, he could, you know, teleport into you know, tell him poured himself into the middle of a car. Right. You know. Philadelphia experiment style. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, and that stuff, they use that stuff in all of um, comics. And thank you, Gabe. Welcome my, my brother. Um, you know, they use that stuff, all of these little mystery schools and, and the things that we were the weirdo for liking UFOs when we were kids, they used that stuff. Like this comics were all about aliens, uh, transmutation. Um, we even had an, an X-Men. Well, it was an alpha flight guy who was a shaman. He was shaman. That was his name. He was just a shaman and shaman was the healer of the group. Like they wrote that stuff in and you're like, Oh, and now you're like, Oh, okay. I get it now. We are the X-Men. Right. And chance is actually, I mean, we have a Yeti here. We have the, the Sasquatch already (laughs) here. And yeah, yeah. We have a beast and we have, what is Gabe? Is that, when I was a Angel? kid, I was whenever I was playing X Men with my neighbors, we all picked like go. who we were, and we were playing pretend. I was I usually went Cyclops. Oh, I don't nice. know why that is. Now I guess maybe it's because his powers emit from his head, and uh, my Aries son, the head. So maybe that's and, what it is. And that's a big. Um, and I'm bossy, and Cyclops gets to be the leader. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But that's that was always a symbolic to me of the third eye, you know, the power of the third eye, and the the Cyclops characters like a Hephaestus kind of character, 
the blacksmith. Um, wasn't was it Hephaestus with the Cyclops? But the Cyclops was a blast blacksmith, right? You're, yeah, you got it. It's all one and the same for sure. Right. The one eye symbolism. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so and welcome, Gabriel. One thing that I kind of feel like would be fun to talk about since we have an artist and several comic aficionados here. It's like, what do we think about the medium? You know, what is such a, where's the magic in this medium? And I'll save my answers for after we kind of go around, but like, why do do you consider, I guess if you do consider the, the medium of comic books in what ways are, is that superior to film and obviously to TV and maybe compared to written literature? What do we think about that? Because I think that it should be way bigger of a, an industry and an interest for the public, but kind of what keeps us from being interested in it in mass is that it has this association with the superheroes and comics do not need to be even called comics. We could call right. it graphic novels or something else. And they don't necessarily need to be tied to these licensed characters, but that seems to be the only way that the industry makes the money to continue is by rehashing and recycling the same characters ad nauseum. Anyway, right. so about the medium of comics, what do we think about that? Start with Gordy. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's really important. I kind of feel bad for these kids that are just watching the movies that didn't get the actual um, stories because they're so bastardized and you, you, it's so distilled down to, they're not even the same characters anymore. Um, but you're talking about, you know, not even needing superheroes to have great comics. You guys mentioned Saga the other night or um, um, what's the one with Dream? Uh, uh, Sandman. The, those are fantastic stories and spiritual, spiritually based stories that um, I don't think can be really breached well any other way because there is a visual and a, a narrative at the same time. You you kind of have to have both for some of those um, ideas to get crossed. Like um, Bill Sweezik's uh, Arkham, is it Crisis on Infinite Earth, I think. Um, somebody will correct me. It's a Batman story where, where uh, Joker is just going ape in the asylum and it's brutally crazy with blood and it's really loosely uh, written. So it's kind of jumping all over. And but because of that, you really get the sense of the insanity because you have, I mean, he's got the bulging eyes, which really couldn't a uh, uh, movie with C even good CG probably really can't pull off very well. And that and it not look like a complete cartoon, like just not real. But when you're experiencing it in your head, like you're reading a book, but there is also a visual reference that adds to that story. Like where, whereas with TV and, and movies, it's just telling you, you just have to be a passive participant. It just tells you what you're getting and you aren't, you aren't a participatory in a book, in a comic, you're, you're part of the story. So I think that's why it, 
the medium is important. Absolutely. I think there's a lot more substance to um, just because like Hollywood had a lot of substance in the 80s, I feel like in 90s or maybe it's just my own bias. But now everything is just a rehash. The CGI comes first um, and then they just try to tell a story around it where I feel like like a lot of the main comics right now suck. They're horrible. But like I feel like a lot of the independent stuff is what you would be getting in Hollywood if they like had good writers doing what they're doing. Um, Disney destroyed Marvel comics. That's why I don't read them anymore. I was into it. It got bad. Yeah, no, it got bad. Um, And then DC was doing okay. They were like escaping like the woke um, rehashing of characters or like recycling and like tokenizing people by creating like pretty decent characters. They did what you're supposed to do. They were like, let's make an interesting character and have their like sexuality be like secondary and stuff where Marvel's like, this character is like shooting transgendered sparkles and like this. I don't know. It's like weird. It's like, well, does the character have any substance? Like, why do I, I don't even care about like who these characters are fucking. I don't want to know who like Punisher is having sex with. That doesn't even matter to me, you know, like write a story and you can, you can cleverly write any, anything that you want to put in there if you're a good writer and have it work. But Um, So I feel like a lot of the independent comics still have a lot of really good writing. And I don't think there's a lot of that like executive hands in there directing stuff. Cause I'm sure there's people that like Marvel and DC that want to write like amazing old Jack Kirby, Frank Miller, gritty shit. But then the executives are like, no, like my little pony is huge right now. (laughs) Like you have to, you have to pony these X-Men up or something. I don't know. It's weird. (laughs) Um, But I do, I love the medium. I get into it. Um, I don't even know. I, I think it is obviously illustration is awesome. Um, if the art's really good and the story's really good, it'll keep your attention. But if a comic sucks in the first like six panels, you're not going to keep reading it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, like, I don't know. I feel like Hollywood just got away with so much garbage because they can like make a cool scene. And I'm even a sucker for it. I'll watch John Wick shit all day. And it, I'm like, why, why am I watching this? All this really is is like great choreography headshots of guns and pencils and knives but for some reason there's still that kid in me that's like this is so cool but only for like a little bit um and i i do feel like hollywood and like the making like all these comic movies and stuff huge is to just to just make grown men into like little children like there's so many people i love all this stuff and i love like connecting with my childhood on some level but dude, I know some people that like this shit is their religion. They'll like fight you if you tell them the Spider-Man movie sucked. And um, <laughs> you're like, that's weird that that matters to you so much. But you'll go along with the narrative of the last two years like it's nothing. <laughs> and that's like a worse comic book plot line than anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, There's like who wrote this shit? Marvel Marvel wrote it. <laughs> Disney yeah. wrote it. <laughs> I got to go off camera for a second. Uh while Gabe responds, we haven't even heard much from you, but I'll be right back just a sec. Dude, this is great. I love that I got to go last because I'm just going to pick up everything you guys put down. Uh, so for one, the, for my first thought with this question was uh, just looking at the word co-make the comic. We're making it together. You know, they put they it's. Uh, that creative experience of the of the book, the original experience was uh, cooperative. 
and you know they were able to imply things and you did the and you met them halfway so the comics were uh co-made um and even the you know mick is um it's an alchemical word alchemic alchemical so the comic is the making that's the chem in reverse is mech chem mech the chem mech cold mm. and so a comic is an alchemical uh uh spell it's spellcraft that it's at its finest back in the day and uh john i absolutely love how you said they have uh grown men uh, attaching to these things and acting like they still care, like it's the fucking Super Bowl, and they're all and they're like completely invested in it. Uh, that is kind of where I, you know, I see a bit of a nefarious twist to the plot here, where uh, you know, what do they call it? Infantile infantilization, infantilization. Yeah, that's a hard word. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's like they uh, to be attached to these ideas that bring us back to our childhood that have that nostalgia, which is one of the most powerful uh, alchemical ingredients there is, is nostalgia yeah. that they they keep us in a state of childhood and perpetual youth, which is, a you know, a, fa- a fantasy. Right. Absolutely. And they, do, they don't actually get to the transformation that is the origin story of every comic book character. Right. The point is the transformation. It's not, it's not the power. It's not the, the cool graphics and it's not the, the bitch in uniform. It's the transformation from the dork to the Spider-Man. To the daemon. That's right. And you know, also I want to, I want to point out one other thing is there was a lull in, like we're talking about the course of Hollywood and something really, uh, obvious has happened under everybody's radar and a lot of people know it it just hasn't been put in context yet but there was a lull in hollywood there uh maybe two years before the you know the shutdowns where uh, everything was garbage uh, even maybe before that even but uh, back when you could actually go rent dvds at a rental you know at a rental spot uh which was quite a while back but in that time hollywood was like just putting out utter filth and garbage nothing yeah. worthwhile there was a, a, a total lull in the creativity uh process well in that time they were actually transitioning they were transit x the alchemical process they were burning their old bridges in hollywood and they were moving to georgia and Ho- hollywood is now in georgia and yeah. they did they did that because of uh, regulatory conditions. They could get away with things, the insurance companies in Georgia and the policies that they needed to, they just needed a fresh start. So that all happened just in time for them to burn their old connections in California, start up this new endeavor in Georgia and the lockdowns to put everybody in their house. And what got them to Georgia? Was the series The Walking Dead? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like they couldn't. Tell me, this isn't written. Come on, you had to come up with the, this. Is it's all planned, man? Yeah, they went to the Georgia. They went to the Georgia Guidestones. Yeah, that's exactly. Which I got. I got some really nasty Twilight language for Guidestones. And... I don't know. I don't know if I have permission to say it. 
Yeah, it's vibrant, you know. All right. Guidestones <laughs> is Goy Destinies. I thought the it was going to be something worse. Destonies. The Guidestones. Ah. The Goy's Destiny is written on the Georgia Guidestones. Pretty, pretty gnarly. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I guess <laughs> you can say that word. It's not that. It's not as bad as other slurs, apparently. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's pretty. That's pretty wild. I love the anagram game. When I think about comics, though, to kind of like bring it back around to the the medium itself, what Gordy said that you interact, you become part of it, you interact with it. I think that's the most radically engaging aspect of comics because we've got. You know, they say like a picture is worth a thousand words. How many words would it take to describe the level of detail that might be contained in a comic book panel in that exactitude? You know, every color, every shape, every relative size and position in the frame, everything a character is doing, their whole pose and posture and all the dialogue that might be contained within. That's a big amount of information, but it's not the same as film where film is almost like switching you into this hypnotic mode where you're just programmed to receive because you don't need to fill any gaps yourself with a novel. You're making the mental movie in your head with comic books. You have this space, the liminal space between the frames. And in that space, you are creating a unique experience of the story. That's different from everyone else. Yeah. You're getting from point A, the, the pose in the first frame to point B, the way things are arranged in the second frame, but you fill in that gap. You know, you put the voices in your own head. There's so many aspects to it that make it more engaging than in my opinion, any other form of art, because you get, it's the most efficient form of storytelling that doesn't compromise the intelligence and the like, I guess, autonomy of the reader (laughs) to interpret. Yeah, you can interpret film symbolically and all that, but you get what I'm saying. Like with with yeah, the graphic novel yeah. medium, it's so magic, and there's so many. There's just the right number of people involved in it too. You know, you've got someone that draws the pencil line, someone inks it, someone colors it, someone writes it, and someone puts all the fits all the dialogue in magically to not ruin the art. There's so many parts of that that is like it's just an alchemical magic, and if people have trouble sort of like sitting down to read maybe some good graphic novels would be up their alley because you don't have to read just superhero stories and guys in pajamas and tights. I know that's like the bulk of what's out there, but I've read some pretty amazing, even mundane stories that were the most engaging ever because they're in this medium. And I was again to talk about college classes. (laughs) What got me into comics was a, a composition class. It was like freshman level composition class, but I was poorly guided through my college experience and wound up somehow not having that class <laughs> until I was a senior. So anyway, I was in this comp class that was all dedicated to the graphic novel and not superhero stories. And so we read, I mean, okay, we read Watchmen. That kind of counts as a superhero story, but man, the difference between reading Watchmen and watching Watchmen yeah. on the movie screen. Yeah. Yeah. As hard as they tried to be faithful to it, it still is not going to provide the same experience. So that's kind of like some of my thoughts on the medium. Maybe 
people should talk to us on Telegram if they want recommendations of good graphic novels to read or non non superhero if that's their thing. Yeah, but the like you're saying that the liminal space is a huge thing. You know, there's the writer and the, and the art, the writing, and then the art, and then there's you. And it's the same. It's the same analogy as a space between the notes. You wouldn't have music if you didn't have any spaces with your notes. You just have sounds. It would just be if you didn't have boop. <laughs> That's Zappa. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, it's the black page, right? But I don't think. Yeah, but that's that's a good point, though. Too, um, I, I I think that's probably one of the most important things. It's like listening to podcasts or whatever instead of watching news, or you know, you're not getting into that hypnotic brain state, and so your brain is like kicking in and working no matter what. Um, and I think that's probably a huge distinction. I, I don't think I like fall into a lull or a trance with television. I think somehow my brain, like probably like all of you guys too, like you can probably watch something without being like hypnotized and shit. Um, <clears throat> but when you're using your brain waves, like you said, you're meeting the comic halfway. That's pretty important, actually. That I never really thought of that. That's pretty cool. But yeah, you should analyze everything in our world, you know, halfway that that you you're taking in information, but what are they really saying? You know, yeah. To Sarion famously, I quote him as saying symbolic literacy is psychic self-defense. They are the same thing. It's very true. Very true. And you know, I wish I could go back. I do have a few of my old comics, but I should look at those advertisements I was ignoring all along. Hmm. Like you give them just a half a second of your attention, you just uh, and you just blaze right through. But on some level, we were picking that up. Yeah. And there's a part of me that wants to go back and actually pay more attention to those advertisements and saying what was flashing in uh, to my mind that I was taking in that I didn't know I was taking in. You know, it was sea monkeys, man. <laughs> did you ever watch did you, this has nothing to do with anything but I feel like one of you guys may have ever have seen the show The State on MTV back in the day Yeah, there was like a sea monkeys sketch where they they flushed the sea monkeys and they like came back and they were all like grown up and like swole and like you threw us away it was pretty funny anyway I have to watch that again someday back when television was somewhat heady and <laughs> Sea monkeys are like are very closely related to tree ops. Did you know oh, that? Yeah, yeah they're, nice. they're they're a um, they're like a uh, a brine shrimp. See, um, I always but, really I was I was convinced like that was like another one of those things like lightsabers. Um, God, there was so many different things I believed in that like were the illusion was shattered. It like fucked me up. Sea monkeys not being anything important and dying every time I got them like really fucked me up because I was like, dude, no, these things are going to grow up. They're going to like talk to me and shit. We're going to have a good time. No, they promised you little crowns and little tridents and shit. Like I was hoping for a weird like civil war. I don't know. <laughs> Two Trident clans, two Sea Monkey clans. <laughs> Fighting for the throat of Atlantis. Yeah. 
the Thunderdome. <laughs> yeah, and where's my octopus and crab and all of that? They, they're riding seahorses. Where shit the is so weird? The world's <laughs> only instant pets. Uh, isn't that the what's amazing? Microcosm this, of everything wrong with humans <laughs> right now. There's a documentary about the dude that created sea monkeys and all the scams the, that he came up with. He's totally a con artist. I love, well, yeah, clearly. <laughs> but, <laughs> clearly. But, I mean, he preyed on the kids in the back of comic books. <laughs> Quite literally. Like he, he, uh, this and I think the joy buzzer was he, he like stole them from other people. You know, kind of like Bill Gates. He steals everything and then sells it to dupes and, you know, makes it bigger than it actually is. Just like every other American, you know, they steal the real and sell you back the fake. That's Hollywood, actually. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, Gordon, there was something I wanted to ask you about, but um, relating to the owls, you yeah. mentioned how people can, you know, get a bad scalp wound from those talons. And I don't know if you were there for the flow state, but I was reading from this book called Shaman Healer Sage by Alberto Villado or something like that. I'm pretty sure that's his name or close to it. And he was talking about one of the shamanic masters he worked with in Peru. And so are you familiar with the concept of shape shifting, but like how it actually is said to work by the shaman that they project their consciousness into the eyes of the animal? Well, in this, and they can like see through the eyes of the animal, like stalk through the night as a jaguar and more adept ones can actually control the behavior of the animal. And that was supposedly what this shamanic uh, master who was a grouchy, <laughs> grouchy wizard S in the story that I read from, she had a student who was like, is any of the thing that any of the things you tell us, is it even real? And she just like gave him the evil look. And later in the day, he comes back to the village where all the other initiates are training. And he's like covered in blood and huge gashes in the back of his jacket. And he won't tell anyone what happened. But you later find out that he'd been out in the forest and a condor swooped down and messed up his back. And it's basically the the point of the tale is that this mean, <laughs> this mean old shamanic teacher decided to show the student exactly how it worked. and. Anyway, is that something you would ever consider like try to train yourself to do to get so close to your owls that you could kind of see what they're seeing? I've done it. Not with the owls. Um, I've done it in dream work. And into a coyote and then into a, a hawk. Because I wanted to find out how far these two peaks were of the Santa Rita Mountains were from me. So... I had this lucid dream thing exercise that I was trying at the time. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to see if I can, uh, if I can get in a, a coyote and, uh, and, uh, you know, see what the desert's like from a coyote's point of view and, you know, running in, in the, and you can actually, you're feeling it. You are experiencing exactly as coyote, but, and then once you realize you're in coyote, you're like, I am coyote. And you're like, oh my God, I'm part of everything. And I'm like, I wonder if I can be a part of something else. So I tried hawk. 
I'm like, wow, I am Hawk. And I flew out to these. I'm like, I'm going to see how far those, those two peaks are. They're way farther than I thought they were. <laughs> it took a long time. I'm like, oh, God, I'm getting bored. No, it wasn't boring at all. At all. It was amazing. But it, I totally get how that is possible. Now, that was. You already said the secret, at least as it was revealed in the book that I was reading. The teacher said that the key to the shape-shifting practice is that you have to fully comprehend that you are no better or worse. You're no more important or less important than anything else in existence. Not a tree, not another human, not even the sun. You're not more important, you're not less important. And that's basically kind of what you were saying. I am the hawk. You know, I am whatever. That's Mm-hmm. Definitely, the key is to recognize the all the self aspect of of the universe. To get back to what I was trying to explain early in the show about life force energy is synonymous for existence, is synonymous synonymous for eternity, for consciousness, for nature. All those words are one thing. Even ether, it's <laughs> and that's what animates everything. So if you get into the zone where that's what you are, then yeah, I could totally see all these things like bilocation and shape-shifting being human abilities that we were supposed to have. It wasn't supposed to be like you even had to learn it. I bet. I think that we would have come in with these abilities if we had the, maybe in the garden of Eden type state where there was enough available bioenergy for everything about us to express itself to a fuller level. Anyway, those are my thoughts. Yeah. um, And you know, it's really interesting. I was thinking about, um, shape shifting. When you mentioned shape shifting, like immediately, I think of uh, skinwalkers. Because I lived in uh, I lived in Page for a year on the Navajo reservation. Whoa. So skinwalkers are a real thing, you know, in that culture. It's yeah. it was something you already knew, like way before the uh, I can't remember the dude's uh, Tony Hillerman books where he wrote about the skinwalkers, and. Um, I don't know if you, you guys ever read any of those, but that was the, they were like murder mystery books that had taken place in these areas where the kind of the four corners area of Arizona, where I used to live. And so I found them interesting and, and it talks about the, these skinwalkers who would inhabit the coyote or, or other, um, animals but it was always more like a were animal like a werewolf kind of thing um and it was always dark they always externalized the the internal right it's uh and it was it's the inverse of of being one with the animal it's the taking over of the animal and controlling the animal by dark forces and you know this because it's the darkest thing you could possibly imagine um yeah to subjugate another being's free will is basically the only violation of natural law that exists just a bunch of variations on that right but in a in a truly shamanic way you're you are one with it you're being like we are all the same exactly like you're describing yeah and if you asked it to show you something instead of trying to like jack into its mind and control it like a drone or bored, would probably right? want to show you. It'd be like, oh, cool. What's up, human consciousness? I'll show you this. Or it wouldn't, it would be seamless for the being. 
Right. Because that's the that's, funny thing about the, like the higher order will that we can tap into, which is what is seen as destiny by people that maybe don't understand that it's actually a, the will of creation and that you are creation. So the highest will of creation, when you can tap into it is your original purpose, whatever your actual purpose for existing is, you find it by getting in alignment with nature and natural law, because it's the same will. If that makes sense, it's no longer the little lowercase s self. It's the big self. I feel like my purpose is um, to learn crocheting. That's going to be my, what I study for a while. I couldn't even do that with a straight face. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm going to crochet us a a wormhole out of here. But uh, (laughs) Shape shift into a crow. Yeah, there you go. Shape, you shape shift into a weaving. Uh, what are those? Those yeah, crochets are weaves. You're in, I, I, I want to be a howler birds? monkey. Actually, they're fucking terrifying. Okay, amazing. Terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just be like the Family Guy one and just point at people from their closet <laughs> every time they start to touch themselves. <laughs> That'll get us back into spiritual alignment. Yeah, <laughs> masturbating, wasting seed. So, shame, the shame I, monkey. I did know somebody. Okay, this is crazy ass <laughs> weird story. I know this is going somewhere awesome. Okay, I worked with this dude whose name was Robin Williams. He was from France, and he would talk over oh, yeah, this weird countenance, and this is Robin Williams, and uh, he had a monkey that would masturbate. Nobody went to Robin's house to see his. We're like, oh, let me see your monkey. And that thing's all like, like a speed demon. It's and it, it stared at you from your eyes. If you've never <laughs> seen what Gordy's talking about, it's intense. I saw it at the zoo one time when I was pretty young. It was like, oh, yeah. Oh, after that, I've always been like, not sure about monkeys. Never I've never trusted them since. I used to nope. trust them until I heard this. Actually, no, I think it was I think it was Richard Pryor that hipped me to to that. I think he had a bit about his pet monkey always like fucking his ear or something, or fucking other people's ears or something. <laughs> Can we like just take a moment of appreciation for Gordy's like uh, you know playing charades of monkey masturbation? <laughs> it doesn't happen on the internet very often or in life at all. Do you get that kind of a rendition? <laughs> you should take that little bit, loop it, and throw like a really cool soundtrack to it. Make it go someone viral. Clip, will someone clip that part? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do like will. several versions. Do like a like a Celine Dion. No, do the um, Wham! Silent Whispers. <laughs> Careless Whisper. Yeah. Careless Whispers. That's what it was. Oh, it's slow mo. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> this is the point where if you're listening on the audio RSS playback, you're like, why don't I watch this live? Oh, it's so I don't have to see monkey masturbation imitation in slow motion. <laughs> what? That's the whole reason you should watch. So live this is what we're like video. now after we hit the spiritual transcendence of two, 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 two. It's transmutation, man. This is alchemy. We're doing it right now. This is putting the semen in the sea monkeys. 
<laughs> sea monkeys. Oh it is. We're back to sea monkeys. <laughs> ah. Dude, I just thought of that's probably the missing ingredient that you're supposed to feed them to oh. make them. You have to jizz, turn you into have the to jizz into the. They're, they're the actually. It's it's a colony of homunculi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get one with a fucking trident. I'm no, ordering they, right actually, now. David's cum monkey lie. Cum monkey lie. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> now, if we can teach a sea monkey to masturbate with a trident, you know, I think maybe the tri- maybe the triops are the trident. And we need oh, to man. train sea monkeys to fight triops and have a battle royale. This is going to be an amazing comic. <laughs> right? <laughs> Boom. Okay. <laughs> uh, Gordy, write it. Johnny, draw it. I'll color it. And uh, Gabriel. I'll decode it. Yeah. <laughs> Do there the lettering. Put the, put the <laughs> language in. Make it poetic. <laughs> nice. So I do I do a bit of shape-shifting uh, every once in a while. And it's not... I don't plan it. It just happens in my dreams. And it is just like you said, Gordy, it is full visceral. Uh, you're utterly committed. Uh, but it's funny because it's exactly what chance mentioned. Jaguar. Jaguar is my, my transformation, uh, whatever spirit animal. And it is every time. Like I don't ever, I don't ever become any other animal. I always become a Jaguar. It is fucking awesome. It is so awesome. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good fucking animal to, to become. <laughs> it, it's amazing. I can actually feel myself gripping into earth and digging the, beneath the earth to push myself horizontally across space. In all of my earth, my, the ergonomics are utterly, completely different. And it's just, uh, it's a beautiful thing to feel, but there's nothing like the sense. And I think when I'm sleeping, I'm actually like needing like a cat when, mm. when I have these dreams, because I'm literally, I'm like pulling myself across the earth with my hands and it feels great. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. You have any tip for dream enhancement or dream recall? You keep a journal, right? I'm starting you done that. You started. No, recently? I just started recently. Uh, that's an awesome thing to do. And then also, uh, honey, I highly recommend everybody eat your honey, get the good stuff, uh, eat your honey before you go to sleep. You're even if you're like, I think this is a good thing. You know, a lot of people smoke weed. They burn through that melatonin, uh, cause they smoke the weed. Uh, it's a good thing to, uh, a, take melatonin before you sleep since you're a weed, weed smoker. Your dreams will come back. But uh, I think uh, honey is a great way to uh, vivify your dreams. Uh, that's a real good one. There's a reason why they put them in with the mummies. Mummies had honey in their tombs so they would have sweet dreams. Yeah, and then honey also doesn't decay theoretically. It will still be good. I think it was the time that Lindsay and I were both on weaving spiders welcome at the same time that we got deep into talking about honey for dreams it's where the origin of sweet dreams comes from as a cultural phrase actually oh sweet that's awesome I also do that and it does it, it does make a difference for sure and I have thoughts about that because it's like a solar plexus food 
really. Mm-hmm. And the solar plexus is your inner light. And also, I, you know, call it the treasure chest all the time, but it's where you you find your connection to between your will and like the big will. I think there's a crown and solar plexus linkage like that. It's like cosmic will and your will. And when there's a balance with each other, yeah, you basically are assisted by synchronicity with everything you do. But the solar plexus being specifically tied to will and also this golden inner light and centeredness, I think that has to do with why a solar plexus food like honey could bring you more, shed more light on your dreams, illuminate your dreams. Like your inner sun is strong. So your conscious awareness of what you're experiencing and how also the messages you might get about like what you want from yourself, your, your will, like how many people are shown all the time in their dreams, what would be best and right for them, or they're showing their worst fears. I remember like in previous relationships where I had like reason to hide something or not be truthful about something. I always remember having dreams about having to confront whoever with whatever I was keeping from them (laughs) or them finding it. And that was like constant. So when you find yourself in anything like that, if you're paying attention, it's there so that you'll go, Oh, this is the thing I need to deal with in the waking life. And it's showing you what the big will has in store for you rather than your disconnected idea of what is right and wrong. Well, and that's trusting, trusting your higher self too, right? And <laughs> surrendering to know that that's what your higher, that's what's best for all of us. It's trusting that, trusting our own soul, trusting the, the connection that we have to the infinite. Because when we're here trying to connect with the artificial, that's when we start getting in trouble. Because we're not connected to the source. That's why the the skinwalkers are the evil version of what we're talking about of living with the animal because they're not connected to source. Good point. On the honey question, someone asked in the chat how much honey. I don't know if we all agree on this, but I think like at least one heaping spoonful. And I recommend you probably won't have the same results unless it's raw preferably organic or wild crafted honey because like that stuff out of the bear shaped plastic bottle is, is, you know, imitation food. Like we were talking about earlier. (laughs) You know, isn't there a, I forget the name of the tribes, but there's something about the skinwalker that it it originates with like an original uh, tribal uh, conflict. There are like two native interests there. I don't know the name of the two, but they have like a like a spiritual feud going on. And one of the two groups is really aggressive and they are the more we would say they are the skinwalkers right. in the other tribe that is uh, maybe new to the territory uh is more of the passive taking on a passive role but they both have spiritual uh a battle going on on the spiritual plane you know and we are just walking in like interlopers uh getting caught up in the mix but there's like there's some high spiritual conflict that is above our general 
level of consciousness. Uh, I think it happens. I think that's um, what we see, yeah. why we get one version or another of mythology, whether it's the Greek pantheons or our heroes that wear spandex. Right. I think that that right. is what young explains as archetypes. This thing that bleeds through from another mm-hmm. aspect of scale of the fractal of this unified life force energy and yep. self. So I think like that's why synchromysticism is relevant, not because we need to go and prove that everything encoded in something is encoded on purpose by nefarious people, but because by paying attention to our art, our creation, how we communicate our belief systems, our cosmologies and our lives themselves, the way we would analyze a dream, utilizing symbolic literacy, we enter into a conversation with the archetypes. And this is another paraphrase quote from Tessarion was something that he got me thinking about was how we look at archetypes like it's this force, this arconic force that is coming through, expressing through us and in nature in these specific patterns that correlate across various septenaries, you know, colors and frequencies and shapes and all that. But what Tessarion points out is that when we gain the literacy to pay attention and understand the messaging or a message doesn't necessarily need to be a certain message, but when we receive a message from creation, whether it's human creation or nature itself, and we have feelings, we have response to that. We even create something in return that has specified meaning, you know, not like just a YouTube reply video, (laughs) but (laughs) some real, real spiritual successor to the artwork that inspired us or real deep criticism of the psychology of something that we see as toxic. We've created a conversation between us and that. I don't want to say higher order, but that inner order that we call archetypes and our conversation with the archetypes changes the archetypes, the way that the archetypes change the unconscious mind of people who are just influenced by them without paying attention. And that's the real important thing about all the archetype and and dream and symbolic literacy, I think is that we have the ability, even in our small lives, what seems meaning like, like a drop in the bucket to the big picture, but actually our conversation with the archetype is as powerful at possibly changing and influencing the archetype as any other being. We're no more important or less important. (laughs) And we're the center of a like a life fractal universal medalla, each of us. Like parallel parallel universes are other people. That's parallel right. universes. So right. we we see this all the time. Like things will come out that almost seem like a response to something that we talked about or that we, you know, and it'll happen rapid fire. And that's what I mean. No one necessarily watched what we said or someone like us said and then made their movie just to respond to that aspect. <laughs> but something heard and something spoke back and we're like michael Wan says we're like the paintbrushes for some angelic or demonic probably mix of both forces that this realm is a work of art it's a story being told nice and it's, uh, it's it's kind of a trip <laughs> like we're yeah. we're all playing fictional characters and the only thing that's real is is the being well and all of us are working are working in in reclaiming those symbologies too. Johnny does it in his art. I I see it all the time. Gabe, you do it with you and I do it with tearing down myth. Same thing with you chance. And especially with you when you're using your, uh, 
your Oracle decks and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. um, that's a big thing of reclaiming our symbologies that have been bastardized over and over and over again into these evil and scary things like spiders and owls were, were supposed to be scary things at Halloween. They, they really only represent mystery that we should have been embracing the whole time and not being afraid of it, but running headlong into it where we're going, okay, that's where we're going to find the answers. The shit that we're afraid of, that's where you're going to find it. That's where you're going to find the healing because the scary shit, getting through the scary shit, that's when you're going to have the transformation. You're not going to be having any transformation sitting on your ass. Yeah. Being comfortable. Yeah. You know, back to the comic book things. One other thing I'll add in is on the note of what we were talking about. I was really into comics for several years, like my, my mid to late twenties. And actually my spiritual journey kicked off in the midst of that as well. And there came a point where I began to see massive synchronicity between particular plot lines and different sci-fis and things like that with stuff that I just started to look into or research. So it's not like I was creating it into the comic, but it was like the comic was my, was part of my conversation with spirit that was revealing more about life to me. So Mm-hmm. I'd learn about a concept. And then in the next week's issue of the comics I was reading, three comics would bring up that particular like topic or metaphysics. Yeah. So it's well, we a real it, thing. We do it every yeah. week. Aren't we? We were watching it happen live every single week. It's that, beautiful. The, the synchronicities between all of us in this community, yeah. every one of them, yeah. every single one of these people in the chat. What do you uh, mean these people? Oh. <laughs> no, I mean, no, what I meant was you people. Um, <laughs> you know, but, you know, it, the, the universe is answering us. Yeah. And this absolutely. is what comp- I keep having to come back to that, that the universe wants to conspire with us, not with them. Word. And it's answering our, us by putting things in our path like owls and 19s and um, little jaguars and pantherines and triops, fractalinear art mm-hmm. that is, is, you know, pointing us in even deeper and deeper directions, telling us go deeper, go deeper. Yeah, man. Deeper. Yeah. And where that deeper is, is here. That's right. It's inside here. It's, it, I think of the mirror world from Doctor Strange. And I think of it as also having a strong relationship to uh, Plato's uh, realm of the forms. Uh, you know, it's the, the, the imagination. It's the, the nation of, the, of imagery that we go to and, you know, every Saturday we like weave to this next level. And then I have, it takes me all week to process just mm-hmm. the wonderful, <laughs> wonderful ideas that we put on the table. I'm and concerned then- that I'm not processing it properly because every weave there's dangling threads of like, okay, I learned about this and I need to go look into it more, but then I'm just on this train. <laughs> well, and then, Yeah. And I, I do the same thing and I'm, I'm like, oh, I have so many things up there that I got to 
you know, focus on one Gordy, focus on the one thing because you're not going to heal yourself if you're not focusing on the one thing. Right. But all those things are in there and we got to just let it flow. And when we're in flow, we're doing both things at the same time. Well, when we're weaving, we're taking all that multiplicity and seeing how it all connects as one. So it is sort of like cathartic in that way. And it becomes it also a dance, helps you right? To, it helps part of pattern recognition, intelligence, but particularly memory. Memory is at least metaphorically designed through linkages. So the more information that you can, you remember and can bring up to your consciousness, the more information you can remember, it becomes exponential in a way because you remember X because it kind of sounds like Y or whatever. And then if you think, if you learn like three more things that connect to Y, then whenever you think of Y, you'll also remember X, if that makes sense. And so when we find ways to connect all the dots together, then we have the big picture, the constellation to zoom in on parts of it more easily. Yeah. <laughs> That's what, that's where Spider-Man was in the, in the mirror world and he started to see geometric patterns and he was able to tie up Dr. Strange and get the best of them. Uh, you guys have all seen the most recent Spider-Man, right? The culmination of them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. And that, that's, this is, uh, this is why I'm so convinced that Carl Young is Peter Parker. <laughs> and Spider-Man is Philemon, his higher self, because of the collective consciousness is a web. You know, those are that's the language of Young. He calls it the web. And uh that's part of what he does in that uh in that most recent one. What is it? No way home? Is that the name of it? I think that's what yeah. I think so. Yeah, and memory is a big component of that. Because the plot revolves around him trying to make everyone forget that he's Spider-Man. Right. <laughs> and it becomes very complicated, very, yeah. very fast. He weaves quite the web. Hey, we should, since we're talking about movies a little bit, we should tell everyone about our new series. <laughs> We've only done one episode of. <laughs> the uh, Marvelous Demystifiers, unless we think of a better name. That was just like... <laughs> kind of a placeholder name and then i it came to the day and I, I went with it but yeah you guys what do you guys think of of this project what do you intend for it what is it to you so i can't help but do that all the time anyway what we do what we've done i can't help it it's which I is see. we're decoding marvel movies together for anyone that hasn't seen the first one where we talked about the eternals yes That's we cool. watched the eternals and next time we're going to do Shang-Chi, which I watched that the first time and I went, oh my God, I have to take notes and I have to do it again. And the same thing with internals, but there's so much symbology. And this is the thing about the art that they, the movies learned from comics is the movie movies never had, had Easter eggs until comic books. Comic books created the Easter eggs. It wasn't yeah. the other way around. Because yeah. all the all the little symbologies and things that were out in the background. Look at look at Watchmen. It's got thousands of little little Easter eggs all over the place. If not from the symbology of the uh, smiley face button, 
to an owl. Um, All of those little details that make up the background of a frame and the way they're combined, the fancy film school word for that or phrase is mise-en-scene, the French word for like what's in the shot, what's in the frame, all the all the details together. Hmm. Interesting. I'm just you know, impressed you guys watched you made it through the Eternals. I've oh, <laughs> I turned it off. I fell I fell asleep. But no, that is true. When you're looking for symbology, then you'll have like the attention span to watch a lot of this shit. Because then you're like, okay, I see what you're doing. I see what kind of shit you're trying to pull over my eyes. Like, yeah, that yeah, it wasn't really a good movie, <laughs> but the decoding made it fun. Right, it does. Yeah. It totally redeems it in, in a really creepy way. I do. I feel like a strange uh, guilt or even shame. There's probably a monkey in my closet <laughs> when, I, when I watch masturbating it. to himself. Mental masturbation going on. But <laughs> it, at least you can redeem it by like, you know, reading it on a really uh, higher intellectual level to whatever degree to, uh, yeah. And then to tell everybody about your mental masturbation experience. <laughs> but that is true though because you know that they put all of that intention in there and so i mean you can you can if you're looking for it you can find it so easily especially with this big what was supposed to be a blockbuster type shit um yeah yeah it's pretty wild it's, well, yeah, it's, i mean there was only that's all it was was signaling i mean that yeah. acting there, nobody acted. There wasn't any acting in that whole movie. Acting? Yeah, like, that's what I've heard. I've, there, was say, there was saying of lines, and this is what I mean, because I have to get to somewhere else in this storyline. Hey, look, your phone is addicting. Like, out of nowhere? Like, come on. Right. Like, I don't see how you don't see this. When you're, <laughs> when you're watching something, like, I don't see how people just watch passively. I can't even fucking watch an NHL game without going, yeah, that was, that was trick. That was rigged. There is yeah. some, well, there is some interplay between the medium of comics and film though, because after film developed a visual language where different shots had different meaning, like from above is like they're shown in a, if you're looking at someone from above, they're in a position of weakness. If the camera's looking up at them, then they're meant to be strong. If the face is half lit, then there's some kind of dualism being expressed in the scene. All these different things that our subconscious has seen enough movies and watched this language enough to get the emotional tempo that's being shown. But we don't necessarily consciously know that these methods of the visual language are psychologically manipulative <laughs> or on purpose, you know, they're pulling strings on purpose and go. What do you them. think? I'm sorry. But with comics, they've, well, I'm just saying like comics have received a lot of that visual language and it's in the way that artists now draw the frames with the very same language as the films use for conveying visual information through, you know, the angle and the lighting and all these different things. Comics weren't quite that sophisticated before film got more sophisticated, they kind of grew together in that mm -hmm. way. Absolutely. You know, I see a lot of, uh, uh, curtailing of attention span, uh, going on in this transition from the, you know, from the book where you're actually doing some work and meeting them halfway. And, uh, you can put it down and come back later and pick up where you left off. 
and, and it's turned into like this fast food uh, instant gratification uh, experience um, to, to the extent that like the action scenes are um, they're, they're blended in, in, in such a way that you need uh, like I keep in a couple of my videos, I've been trying to like do screen caps on a scene to convey the information, but they're so interdependent with the frames that are coming afterwards uh, that my last video that I made, I actually recorded my TV to to try to convey the idea that I was trying to capture because I can't, you know, I can't pull it up from uh, from the internet. I can't find the exact scene. But uh, my point is, I think that uh, all of that action and all of that fast food consumption is uh, plays into shortening the attention span. You know, Absolutely. I remember you hit me up and you're like, is what are the rules about playing clips from movies on YouTube? <laughs> just don't. Just don't. Yeah, the spiders kind of learned hard, hard way about that. So. Yeah. Episode 63. Yeah. The episode. <laughs> the lost episode. It's been lost for a month. At this point, we can possibly declare it dead. Oh, that was such we'll, a good one. We'll resurrect it at some point somewhere. It'll be like zombie Rasputin. Zombie <laughs> except not not uh, castrated. Yeah, that's w- the uh, legendary weaving spiders episode sixty three. For anyone that doesn't get the reference, mm-hmm. yeah, I wonder if that's on the RSS feed. I never check. Maybe so, it's there. Um, one thing that I wanted to bring up too about you know since we're this is going to go what into is that flow shirt, Gordon. Nothing, you nothing you need to nothing you need to concern yourself about. It's just you know, uh, you know. I used to do a few things with some. I wore a nice and, owl shirt for you, and you put on a bullshit never straight answer sweater. <laughs> welcome, trolls. Um, so, but you know, this is going to go into flow state. It's you know, we, this is the dance we're doing, and you know. One of the things that always, since the first time I saw Johnny's art was it has flow. Like his, his art, if you guys, a chance, if you get a chance, can you pull up some of Johnny's I'm artwork? On it. I'm on it. Um, I'm going to show his uh, exclusive Patreon only feed. Oh, shit. There is. Unless he says a, no. No, go for it. I don't care. That's why, <laughs> that's why you're a patron. So you can fucking. Just give my my artwork to Chinese sweatshops and make your side hustle. <laughs> <laughs> like they, 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 the WalMarts in India have hats of my artwork, right? Of fish hats, all over the place. But wow. I remember seeing you had done a um, Vision and um, Scarlet Witch mm, one, yeah, and how the costumes kind of flowed together, and. When you do your, there you go. Here, here we go. Like it's mm. character, but it's things aren't necessarily defined in the real world. There's a surreal flow about every single one of your pieces that kind of takes you into another place, which is why I love this kind of artwork. I'm trying to fill the void of all the shit that I used to dig as a kid. Um, even like, especially back then, it was mostly film. Don't be scared. 
<laughs> don't be scared. Don't be scared. Uh, <laughs> like, cause I feel like, like, um, like, like old Gilliam movies or like Vonnegut or like Zappa. My dad like played Zappa, watched Monty Python. Like I was always around weird shit. And it always made you feel like you were going to some universe that you've never fucking seen before. That That's almost like a part of your mind as well. Um, and that's what I try. It's not even that I try to capture it. I just miss that shit. So I'm like, how about I just make my own weird world um, that that probably is like channeling something from somewhere. Um, But I just feel like everything's so homogenized now that it's it's kind of nice. And I mean, it's not really super true. There's so much fantastic art out there. But um, yeah, I just like to I don't know. I had a I had a realism thing where I was drawing realism for a while in in high school and it was so boring and fucking redundant. I'm like, dude, we have cameras. So how about we stretch things out and make stuff look really weird and maybe it conveys more of a feeling like that the whole point of art, I guess. <laughs> but that's that's one of Lindsay's new shirts. There's no direction in Goatland. I hope Jim understands this. <laughs> his, his compass is all fucked up. That's in honor of James as well. Yeah, yeah, I can't think of goats without thinking of James. <laughs> like he, he almost laughs like a goat. He's been around goats so much. <laughs> that's, that's my dude, man. I'm like, dude, you've been around goats a lot, bro. <laughs> Fucking miss James, dude. I, I need to come on weaving again sometime. Yes, you do. Yeah, yes, man. You do. Yeah, you just did that Cthulhu? Cthulhu? Is that Chalulu? Chalulu. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Anyone have some Pepsi? No. <laughs> is, that, is that one recent? It is. I drew it um, last week. So oh, Sweet, man. Sweet. Right on time. <laughs> Heck yeah. We are yeah. getting close date after this. You're invited. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I, yeah, like I said, I figured out how to, um, what I wanted to do is just draw digitally. And I figured out how to use OBS to use my iPad screen as my camera. So That's that right. makes me happy. I love this one. <laughs> Shoot a hot marshmallow into your enemy's skull. Do it. <laughs> Orion. Kill him with love. <laughs> yes. Awesome. S'more their ass. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I want to do political art, but man, talk about like pissing half of um, my possible client base off. But I mean, it's not like it would be political anyway. It was sad because for a while there, like when Trump first got elected and shit just became fever pitch. I was like, dude, you could probably be a millionaire just making fun of Trump for the next three years and selling fucking shirts. But then I was like, what kind of energy is that? And it was the same thing. I was like, I could like knock him and then like knock like the other politicians on the other side and like go back and forth. But then I'm like, well, I'm just adding to the stupid fucking rift that people believe in. And although the money would be kind of sweet, it really wouldn't be, it'd be like blood money. It might as well just go sell crack. That'd be, that'd be like cleaner somehow. That would be like what more you, honest. What if you did a style of art where you made sure to, in a balanced way, depict the debauchery and monstrousness of both sides in every art. Like, like uh, Hillary and Trump making out or something. Right, right. No, that'd be good. My my favorite, and I still haven't done it, 
I drew a um, monkey would be into it. <laughs> <laughs> the same monkey would just be going all day. Freaking uh, my last ballot. I never, cause I never vote, but I, I, this one, this woman cornered me once, like in, I think it was like 2015 and got me to register to vote. I was like, fuck it. I'll register just so now I won't vote, but I'll still be registered. So now I get ballots and um, my last ballot, I had like drawn it out and everything. It's just like at the top of it. I'm going to paint this and make it an artwork. It's like a hand holding a bunch of leashes and it's like red and blue dogs, like barking at each other, like voting. And I was like, dude, that would be pretty awesome to put out there, but people get so pissed about everything now. So it's, it's fucking weird because if you like hold the middle ground and make fun of both sides and people like hate you even more for some reason, I don't know. It's so you guys all know, fuck. I don't, <laughs> I don't think a lot of, I, I've done some kind of good magic that I don't draw a lot of haters. I, if there's anyone out there that hates me, they've refrained from letting me know. And I appreciate them for that. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm, I'm always amazed at how, how uh, cool are the viewers, the people that show up in our groups are. Like in any of our communities, in Rogueways community, in the interviewers community, in Spiders community, like I'm amazed at the the cool people that show up. I mean, there there are a few that are questionable sometimes, but there are a lot of teachers I really like. But when you go into their live chats, it's it's bad news, right? It can be like, yeah, there's some bad juju. Yeah. I think yeah. it's because we have such a good balanced perspective, you know, to toot our horn a little bit on not just one aspect of conspiracy or something and not religious religiosity in our spiritual path, but the recognition that we're all creating these, these paths for ourselves, you know, and the healing well, is the intention or being like expressing our wholeness, not necessarily healing, but like being like showing and telling wholeness is, to, you know, like the healing journey happened as a thing. And we're always balancing, but moving from the healing state to the staying balanced path, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that's the part of that is authenticity. I think that that's how you get there by being authentic with whoever we're talking to. Yeah, man. We're not that's, bullshitting. We're not bullshitting. The, it. This yeah, is how it is. You know, that's, that's and the new currency. And it's about, uh, like, Cheney's always talking about philosophy, you know? This is how our life philosophies, this is why we talk about everything, ever, nothing's off the table, I feel, like, with any of our conversations. Well, that's we the weird anywhere. thing is that somehow that's, like, dissipated. And, like, I don't know, man. We're all just, like, how we have always been, I would assume. Um, but, like, now people act like it's, I don't know. Everybody's so fucking fake. Um, it's just really weird. And I think that mm-hmm. these communities have provided a lot of people who are maybe surrounded by, they just small talk all day at the job. They talk about the weather and all this like stupid shit with their family because they, they are either afraid to bring up some real stuff or they have. And people are like, Oh, you tinfoil hat retard or something. I don't know. Like um, I feel like there's just a, like a, you're right. There's like an honesty amongst everybody that's, that's in this community and nobody like puts each other down. Like some people will like, like be shitheads to people for like not knowing some, there's like a few like egotistical people I've come across out of like the 800 people I've talked to in the past, like five years where some people are like, 
go off on some tangent about how they know more than everyone else and whatever. But those people are assholes anyway. I just think most people are very happy to find other people to like grow with along certain mm-hmm. things they may not know, you know, and um, God forbid you learn from somebody else. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It's just so weird. Like, because in day to day life, like, at, I don't know, that was like always my favorite thing at a job when I would find out like someone would just slip up and like talk about nine 11. And then I'd be like, Oh, like, yeah, you're my friend now. We're going to be like talking right. out there, smoking a cigarette. <laughs> like, um, I don't know. It'd just be kind of interesting when you finally found someone you're like, yeah, we can like talk about some real shit and not just like the break room pie or whatever the fuck everybody's talking about at the water cooler per se. So I think the, the, the communities that have formed in the past, like, four or five years, uh, maybe longer, um, are just awesome for that reason, because there's a variety of different things you can learn. Whatever's like up your alley, you can join in, participate. Um, and like all these shows are interactive. You're sitting there talking with the audience. The audience is a part of the show, you know, and mm-hmm. it just, it creates community and it's, it's cool. You don't have to be like afraid to, to ask a question or throw a theory out. You're not going to get scorned or laughed right. at. And that's the the big thing that I, I'm impressed with Chania is always that her mantra is it's okay to change your mind. You know, I'm not going to feel about this stuff tomorrow the same way I do today. I'll probably have a more nuanced version of it, but it's not going to be the exact same thing. Like, you know, if anybody wants to really get into my story, go watch the rogueways I did with Lindsay. It was maybe almost two years ago now. And it's evolved quite a bit since then. And I probably should do an update to that, but that's going to be a much bigger thing. Um, And speaking of things and projects, Johnny and I need to talk a lot more coming up very, very soon here because I've been thinking about a lot of stuff, buddy. And we've got some... Maybe not on here, but we'll we'll talk more. That that's code for masturbating in closets Master- together. You know, it's cool to see this year, early in the year, there's already been a big upswing, at least through the telegram community, of people collaborating on stuff together or initiating the intent to collaborate at the very least you see you see a lot of uh non-judgmental cooperation for sure see and I, I feel so bad because i feel so dumb in telegram i cannot figure out how to use it um i mean i understand make folders. Like type messages yeah maybe yeah because i'm just like man i get like so lost in like what's going on i'm glad they at least put the react button so I can like acknowledge stuff. And um, I don't know, but I I like it. I like it way more than any of the social media shit. Um, But I always feel like I'm like interrupting. That's like, I feel like I've been doing that this whole show. You guys are like on some real deep shit. And then I have to throw in a joke because I have to pee really bad. (laughs) I did it. I get up and leave in my own show. If I have to, I've been drinking a lot of (laughs) distilled water, like a gallon a day. And it, just really flushes stuff out of you and it really does my, you're replacing minerals though aren't you yeah but I see, i'm, I'm okay. of the mind that because google tells us on the front page that distilled water is dangerous and depletes your mineralization 
That's and probably good. There's, there's evidence to the contrary. <laughs> I actually, I think that maybe my body is smart enough to know what to release and what not to. And maybe the distilled water assists with the process. But I do, See, I mean, I do remineralize for sure. But I, I well, think that's what I was say. Your diet too. probably takes care of that too. I'm sure like that has to do with like the standard American diet. Um, people that are just eating like McDonald's and Wendy's and shit like that and not eating foods with minerals. They're probably the ones that like a really high risk of like dead water, like hurting them and stuff. But then you want to program that water with the words and phrases, affirmations, write something on the bottle. Stuff like that can be really it's, powerful. It's bad that I, I scream fuck you to my water before I drink it. But is it? Um, <laughs> it depends on what it, kind of water you want. I'm trying to start a death metal band. And this is the only <laughs> way I know how. <laughs> you showed up. Jazzy Jazz. Jazzy What's Rattle. happening, What's Jazz? Long time to see. Hey, buddy. We've not talked before, I don't think, Jazz. Well, maybe he can't hear us. Hey, Jazz. <laughs> Making cookies. Oh, nice. You too. What's up? What's yeah, Jazz on? was our first episode of Vibrant. And since then, the legend of Mooncat and Sundog has become quite elaborate. You don't even know how far-reaching that is, buddy. That's awesome. Hell yeah. Yeah, One now second. the ice storm snow apocalypse treating you. I'm glad you popped yeah, in. I was actually like worried that it was going to be uh, like ice on the trees and knock out power because all we have is electric here. Uh, but I wasn't really worried, but at least it was just sleet, so that was good. I like how Johnny self-deprecated and then disappeared. He's probably <laughs> peeing or something. <laughs> No, I did give him permission. We've <laughs> never done a stream like this before. This is interesting. Yeah, man, you have to call in again in the future. We're going to, or join us on the flow state. That would be really cool. I told you about that. We're doing that on Weaving Spiders Welcome right after this, if you want me to forward you a link. This is my way oh, of yeah. announcing to anybody that doesn't know, on Weaving Spiders Welcome on YouTube, following this, it'll take a few minutes for us to get launched, but we're doing flow state where we take turns reading to each other, discussing what's read and putting our cameras on our artwork. And if we can, not everyone necessarily can set it up that way, but Sweet. point is to like stimulate left and right brain, take something in, put something out. You know what I mean? That's really fun. That's all continuation awesome, of this. Now my last okay. creative flow state I want to share. I put this, put these out yesterday on the two twenty two Oracle card group session I did, but I made oh, yeah. these wands on the 22nd and a couple people have expressed interest. None of them are fully spoken for yet. So I wanted to show them all again. The stones are the same on each handle. This is the first one. It's amethyst, sodalite, adventuring, tiger's eye, and a type of Jasper. Not sure which type, maybe appreciated Jasper or Dalmatian. We got this red one. It's the biggest one. And I think that might be some kind of carnelian or something on the handle or the, the dangly. They've all got a dangly with a metal feather on them. All born on 2-2. Two, two. So you got a red one and a blue one and a brown one. Made three. So if these are speaking to you, they are fully, at least to the best of my ability and knowledge, prepared in a ceremonial way to be used as shamanic or energy implements energy practices whatever i kind of think it's like the crystal version of doing a a sage cleanse they really 
work like that. We'll bring everybody else back on screen. I just wanted to put these out there. They are available still currently. So hit me up if one of those looks cool. And no, they don't have a button to turn into a lightsaber. I do have one like that, <laughs> that the handle is a flashlight, but yeah, not these. These are more traditional, but they're pretty awesome. Selenite's been my favorite stone for since I got heady. <laughs> so Jazz, where are you at right now that you're uh, in the snow? Uh, Eureka Springs, Arkansas. Oh, cool. All right. All right. It's like all sleet, though. Like we have got snow a few times this year and it was it was badass. But this time it was just all sleet. Nice. Nothing to the trees, though. They were look. they were looking at it might have been like a inch of ice, but luckily that didn't happen. Yeah. So but, what are you doing out there making a lot of wraps hanging out in the forest? Yeah, for sure. I've been working on a lot of new designs. I'm actually looking at a bunch of stuff. My stuff is like insanely chaotic right now. Let's see something from your Instagram. Flip the camera, but I haven't uh, used this. Um, let's see if I can just flip it this way. But like, I got stuff everywhere right now. I make you big yeah. if you want to show anything off. Let's see. I did just fi finish this bike. Oh, sweet. Nice. Sweet. Maybe we'll pull it off or uh, get it to focus in on there. Wow. Yeah, it's really detailed. I wish I could. Uh, how do you flip the camera around on this thing? I don't know. That's up to you. Tech support isn't free. You can pop it if you want. Trial and error. <laughs> I was going to bring up his Instagram so people can see what he's really up to. He's got, he's a, a total wizard at wire wrapping. Oh, yeah, there we go. This is a high resolution photo. Solved this problem for him. Oh, whoa. It's pure silver, baby. Sweet. That's crazy. Yeah, Jazz is a, a wild dude. Wow. Some really good stuff. It's always fresh and different. He's been doing it for as long as I've known him. Probably like his, longer than I've been doing this show, for sure. I'm glad he popped in. Oh, yeah. This is, whoa. <laughs> Man alive. Wow. Hey, I found your Instagram, Jazz. There you go. Yeah, and I showed the bike. Yeah, yeah, there's a picture of that bike on there. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah, what I've you been do. working on a lot of. I've been pushing up my abilities a lot lately, and uh, definitely being around banjo and a lot of other like badass glass flowers and artists in the area has mm -hmm. uh, inspired me to push it. And not even, I don't even feel like a pressure to push it. It just like. I'm more like excited to just see what I come up with. Yeah, man. The rings are really tight. Yeah. yeah. The labs of banjo are cool. I actually, I spoke with that man today and uh, we'll, we'll have him on soon to talk about all the things he's learned as a super amazing glass blower <laughs> and what it's like, you know, being that, having that large of a following is often what comes up when I talk to him, how 
difficult it is to deal with the polarized people that come your way once you're all of a sudden reaching a lot of people and you have something to say beyond just what you know they expect out of you which is the the art with no they want it to have no meaning or meaning that aligns with them right but we got to wrap this bad boy up Uh, we're kind of cutting in towards the flow state time we're all just going to get back together again soon chance can you uh pull out pull up that one video that i <clears throat> that i sent you oh yeah for, for sure i actually forgot before to we, do all this before years. we, we jump don't have out. to rush out of here because i want to show people something oh, yeah. real quick you got an announcement yeah that's right so if you're not following the gordy two shoes um it's Gordy underscore TWO underscore shoes Instagram account. I linked it in the I, show notes. Thank you, sir. We are, I am documenting another. Can we skip to the next? There we go. This is it right here. Do you need the sound on? Um, no, you can, I can narrate over it. So, okay. Hang on that right there. That tree right there. That is my owl tree. And this whole area here used to be a mining facility. This is part of the, this is where I work, right? But right mm-hmm. in here, this is to show you where the, the owls nest. Right here. And I, there she is. There's the grand oh, patriarch awesome. badass right there. So she is nesting right now. I'm assuming there's eggs. I'm not going to go up and ask her anytime soon because at this point I give her a lot of room, as much room as possible. But she's very cool with me. Coming up to her, I got fairly close today, and but I don't want to push it um, because, you know, you want her in a in a tranquil state. But And she is very cool with me. Um, but I, I give her a lot of space. And here is the underneath of that same owl tree. That cinder block right there, that's been my meditation spot for three years right there. And you can see right in there, that's Peter, her oh, mate. That's so cool. And so when I come around, he hops around to the other side of the tree to watch the other side of the tree while I'm on the opposite side of the tree. So he can keep an eye on the other side of the desert while I'm keeping on, keeping an eye on this side of the desert. They treat me kind of like one of them. And it's, (laughs) it's an amazing, amazing thing. And I will continue to, um, um, document this as long as it goes on and so we're gonna have um and thank you for pointing that out mpc i'm not sure who you are it's joshua oh joshua okay yeah he says get a falconer gauntlet a gopro and some mice definitely the gopro at minimum (laughs) this is this is my thing for for this year one of one of my many things for this year is is i'm giving myself to my birthday for my birthday is the uh um falconers course at the sonoran desert museum so that you can work with owls to rehabilitate them wow gordy so i'm gonna do that in the spring 
this year. So yeah, you might be on to something, Joshua. Congratulations, man. That's a great gift to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, they're magical beings and I don't know why you wouldn't want to want to do that. Wow. If I could. And so I also have two sets of owls. I have those, uh, Peter and Gwen, and I have the pair here in my neighborhood that follow me around um, on my nightly walks through the desert. So if you're on the Weaving Spiders Welcome Telegram group and you hear me doing a uh, meditation walk, um, I often document the owls following me around the desert because you can hear them. <laughs> they follow me. And it doesn't surprise me that like, because my wife is convinced that they're, they're the babies of Peter and Gwen's previous um, uh, litter or clutch, whatever. They've been yeah. um, for their whole life. But they've, it would completely make sense because the um, distance from the home nest to here is just about right. And they showed up just about the same time that, the second clutch of owls matured and they know my voice. They know me, they've seen me. And, you know, as much as I wanted, as I tried to not imprint on them, you can't help it, you know, cause I kind of had to watch them to make sure, you know, that they weren't cause there's rattlesnakes and stuff, you know, I'm worried about those babies. And, uh, you're such a Taurus. You're a mother brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got to take care of my babies, Uncle Gordy. But, uh, they they know me, and they, you know, an owl can know the sound of a of a mouse underground. They can hear that, and they can, you know, if they know this stuff, we know that animals remember things their whole lives. It's just like geese will imprint on somebody and, and know that person the rest of their life. So of course an owl will, and they came to me, you know, they showed up on my, on my chimney trying, you know, purposely getting my attention by banging on my chimney and hooting down <laughs> it. You know, maybe the term oh. is unk owl. You're an unk owl. Oh, an unk owl. You're an unk owl, unk owl Gordy. <laughs> hey, maybe that's it. it Maybe it's not said, alchemy. Kind of like a monkle, though. A monkle. Because he's also monk, meditating. Yes, a monkle. A monk owl. <laughs> That's it, a monk owl. I yeah, like yeah, it. But not a not a homunk owl us. <laughs> <laughs> so bring yeah, it back all the way around. <laughs> the other thing is 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 keep watching on that Instagram channel because I will and and my oh Gordy Two Shoes YouTube because I'm gonna put a game camera out there this nice. weekend. To so that uh, we can have kind of a, I'm going to try and get a live feed, so I can just continuously follow. Anybody can jump in and see what's going on in the owl nest at any time of the day or night. Hopefully, if I can get a signal out there far enough. Nice, sweet, really sweet. Uh, we got a requested call in. So I want to give space for it. We'll we'll get over there to the flow state. They'll start when they need to. But sending it your way, the person who just asked for it. 
and we'll see what we get. But we'll all want to say hi to this person, so just hold uh, hold tight. Yeah, uh, <laughs> your owl stuff is unreal, man. <laughs> it's unreal to me, and you know, it just amazes me that anybody. I I'm not special. Like anybody can do this, but it it takes a lot of work to get your. You know, you talk about your getting your chi centered and getting your your prana hot and warm and you know welcoming to nature and being one with nature. They want to be one with us. It's not rocket science, but we're always shown, especially in movies and like Disneyfication of things, that animals like resent humans. You know, that's always the thing right. with the anthropomorphized animals but i think animals are just realistic about the energy that humans carry and it's not that they're necessarily instinctually afraid of humans or bred for generations of fear they're wary about their surroundings at all times and and tapped into energy so if you come around with off balance chi or dirty electricity they feel that and so they will respond in the same way as mirrors but i think the instant that a human being has cleared and balanced themselves to, you know, a strong enough degree, then you could probably, I'm not telling you to go do this, but you could probably go like give a bear a hug, you know, if you're not threatening to it and it doesn't have any reason to fear you. And if you especially have that essence of unity and the recognition that you're not better or worse than it or different than it at your, at your core, your center. Mm-hmm. I think they all, they all are several filters fewer than we are when it comes to connection to source animals are. We're kind of, we're like, we're definitely kind of like animals too. Like, like we can, like you and I could be hanging out in the woods somewhere just chilling. And then some, uh, somebody walks up and we we're kind of like, Oh, it's time to go. Like, <laughs> You know, depending on like the person or whatever. Where uh, same thing with the animals. Like when you come around, sometimes like they pop up and run away, and sometimes they chill. Like mm-hmm. we're so much just like them. Like it's funny. And when we're on their level, they want us. They want to be with us. Yeah, that's a perfect example. Is elephants because elephants have demonstrated um, telepathy in the wild. They know when when other people or other elephants are coming to the tribe, to the herd and they will call out um, sub what's that in those sub frequencies to each other. But they also know when each other are doing things as well. And we've demonstrated that Gabe and hell, Jim Maiden does it every couple of weeks. He's like, oh, yeah, it's a bumblebee. And somebody pulls up a car of a bumblebee. Uh-huh. Come on, that dude. Yeah. Gordy, you remember? That dude, telepathic. Or Do you remember when we did our uh, meditation at the same time? Yeah. Right? Do you remember? No. Refresh me, because we've done this more than once. We both we set a time aside and we uh, went out in the sun, 
and meditated at the same time, taking our time zones into account. And I think I was maybe out for just a little longer than you were, just by a minute or so. And I came in and I was checking my phone and you said, uh, look at this butterfly that I found. And I realized that right next to me, back on my spot in the grass, was the exact same butterfly. And I knew right away, I knew that I could go back if, if my mind was right and I wasn't romping and stomping like a human, keeping, keeping the level, keeping the vibe, that I could go back. And if it wasn't there, which it wasn't, it wasn't there at first, but I brought my phone with me and I just told myself, it's going to come back. And it came back to the exact same flower just in time for me to take its picture and send it to you and be like, I'm looking at the same butterfly at the same time from miles and miles and miles all across the country. Mm-hmm. And it was, that was awesome. And I, how do you ignore that? Yeah, and say that's not the universe trying to tell you you're on the right path. Your yours was stuck to your hand. It wouldn't let you go. Right. It was it was on my finger. Yeah. I, I think there's pictures on the Instagram of that. Yeah. And mine was like just I remember that story yeah. coming out. Mine was just on a little dandelion, which it left when I left. But then when I came back, it's like I willed it back to the dandelion. And then we all shared that. And Jazz, you've got the one where you you're chilling, you're dancing with bumblebees. Well, yeah, the um uh the hornet flies or the hover flies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like and plant. I yeah, I, I love playing with all kinds of like insects. And recently I started even like handling like wasps and hornets and like letting them walk on me. And I just found like they just will not bite you or sting you unless you're just sending out that that fear energy or it's like they it's like they just don't care at all. Like they'll just walk on you. You're just another thing. Like, uh, I don't think they can distinguish the difference between you just being scared of them or you actually having malintent towards them. I, I don't think they can tell the difference. That's why a lot of people get like, you know, hit so hard by them because they're just like, ah, and then, you know, the wasp or whatever, he has no idea like if that's like you just being scared or if that's like you attacking. Yeah. If, if you've seen those guys, there's some of those beekeepers don't even use a suit. And I'm convinced that it's because there's a, you know, their chi and their prana is hot. You know, they're, they're vibing on the same wavelength as the bees. Nice. <laughs> This card just came out of my deck. I just want to show. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah. Of course it does. Of course it does. <laughs> it's an Al card for anyone just listening. Pretty nice. Yeah. Well, I don't think that our extra additional guests saw that I replied with the link. So we will just have to reconvene over on the flow state. Right on. It's hard to stop this train once it gets going. It's fun to hang out with you guys, but we're about to continue doing it anyway. Jazz, I hope you join us over there and uh, yeah, man. do some flowing yourself. Sure. Uh, yeah, send me a link. Um, if I uh, 
if I don't though, everybody check me out at jazzraps.com. Check out all my new stuff. Uh, yeah, I've been making a lot of stuff, so I'm pretty pumped on it. And it's all available there. So, but yeah, send me that link and I'm, I might be over there. All right. I posted the jazz raps website in the chats too. Oh yeah. Yeah. This dude's worth, worth owning some treasure from <laughs> there's no treasure Ooh. like it. And I just found this uh, sweet new method to like buffing out and shining uh, your silver, which is like, and all you need is like aluminum and uh, boiling water and like baking soda. And this shit works like super good. Oh, yeah, I've done that on the wrap you made for me before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sweet. 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 All right. See you gents over there. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Follow us over to Weaving Spiders. Welcome and watch for that to go live. Really enjoyed keeping my eye on the chat tonight. You guys are fun. And it's been another great flow state with uh, some regulars, Gordy and Gabriel. But nice to just hang out with uh, Senior Gordy for an extended period of time. Definitely. Yeah, buddy. Thank you. We do Thanks it all day that. through the Telegram. But, yeah. you know, this is good, good stuff. See yeah. you all on Weaving Spiders Welcome. And also Saturday's episode, which I'm sure will be a barn burner after where we left off last time. <laughs> And then is the uh, Mystifiers this Sunday? Oh, yes, sir. Thank you. Sunday. Yeah. All right. Marvelous mystif- demystification of Shang-Chi. Watch out for that on the Interverse channels. We'll be live streaming that Sunday early evening. Try not to cut into rogue ways if we can avoid it. It's the goal. Mm-hmm. So probably like six central, we'll, we'll get that going. We're going to watch Shang-Chi and talk about it. And even if you haven't seen or intended to see the movie, I'm sure you'll get something out of our decode because we'll be exploring mythology and and metaphysical symbolism and conspiracy and social engineering and all the things just like that Eternals episode, which was really good inaugural, inaugural, you know, demystification. Yeah. The the MK ultra. (laughs) All right. All right. See you guys over on the flow. Everybody go check out Johnny Larson too. Oh yeah. Johnny Larson. He had to dip, but dude, is so fun. I'm glad he came on. Yeah, I love Johnny that. JohnnyLarson.com. Or just ask for him in Telegram. We'll send you to his DMs and <laughs> confuse him more with the chaos of Telegram. All right. See you guys. <laughs> All right. Thanks, buddy. Much love, y'all. Love you too.